Well, I'm back in Louisville, Kentucky, and grateful once again to the wonderful folks at Southeast Christian Church for letting me connect again with Doug Cobb. In recent weeks, we got together to discuss the book of Daniel as part of our Jesus in the Old Testament series, but I was so fascinated by his book, And Then the End Will Come, that I wanted to sit down with him again. And Doug, I'm glad we were able to do so for this episode of Christ in Prophecy. Thank you for having me back. It's great to be back with you. Well, again, your book was just fascinating to me, but I want to remind our viewers of your own role and background. You are the managing partner of The Finishing Fund, a ministry that seeks to make disciples of every nation and in every corner of the world by the end of this year, 2022. And your book demonstrates that you're also a gifted author who brings clarity and encouragement mm. regarding the rapture of the church. And so I'll just ask, what motivated to, you to write this book and why now? Well, I, I, I be, my journey begins on this by getting involved with an organization called Finishing the Task, which is a network of ministries kind of gathered around this idea that we can complete the Great Commission task in this generation. And so I got involved as a volunteer with that, began to give some toward it. Um, but it was along the way that I discovered the amazing promise of Matthew 24, 14, where Jesus said, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come, linking the completion of the Great Commission to the return of, of Christ. And I love checking things off to-do lists, so finishing is fun, but finishing and opening the door to seeing Jesus, oh, oh my gosh, how powerful is that? And so. Really, it was through that that I began a, a process of studying for myself. Are there other clues in the scripture that might indicate that we're living in the days of Jesus' return? Not trying to predict the, the specific time, no. but the, the general season. And the result of that are these nine other clues, these 10 clues in total. And really, I thought that was just for my own enlightenment. I enjoyed it. And one day I was sitting at my desk, July of 2020, and I heard God say, you got to write this down. And I don't always do what God tells me to do, but in this case I did. And, you know, the result is, is the book. Well, I'm glad you did. I'm glad you were obedient to that uh, urging on your heart. And I think the Lord had great uh, vision for what you would produce, pointing people to his son soon return. You know, many scoffers today and throughout the ages have dismissed the apocalyptic prophecies of the Bible as too fantastic to believe. Mm -hmm. and. and other Christians even now say, well, it's just too complex to understand. I don't even try. But I like to cite Dr. Henry Morris of the Institute for Creation Research and his wonderful response to both of those criticisms. He said, even regarding Revelation, it is not hard to understand. It is hard to believe, but if you will believe it, in other words, if you will take the Lord at His word, then you will understand. How do you approach the study and the subject of Bible prophecy? Well, it begins with understanding that Jesus is coming back. Mm. He specifically promised that he would come back. The Old Testament prophesies that he will come back, and most of the other New Testament writers promise that he will yes. come back. So the beginning place is an agreement that he is coming back. But not only does it say that he will, but it also offers us hints and clues that help us to understand what will happen in the interval and what the time of his return will be like. And I think many of those things are very obvious and evident in the scriptures. They're not oblique or, you know, difficult to understand, not opaque. And, um, you know, what I try to do in the book is just sort of open up some of those things and take a, take a look at them to see if they apply. Well, obviously we know that in this world we will have trouble, but Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. Mm -hmm. So even though we're persecuted, prosecuted, and set upon by every direction, 
we should not be troubled in our spirit. I am absolutely convinced, though, that Satan does not want faithful Christians to study Bible prophecy in particular because of what? What is his motivation for wanting to keep us afraid of God's prophetic word, or at least dismissive of its relevance to our lives? Well, I, I think he, you know, he hates us, and yeah. he wants anything that's not good for us. He would much rather that we spend our time being discouraged, frightened, uh, off balance, you know, um, and. It's easy to be those things today. There's plenty of things happening in the world that are very discouraging, you know, very troubling. Um, he would hate for us to have our eyes fixed on the invisible kingdom of God that's coming uh, because that's where we find stability and peace and confidence, right? And so um, I think his main reason is, is that he wants us all to be less than we could be by, because he wants us to be afraid and, and discouraged. So almost like Peter, if we take our eyes off the author and perfecter of mm -hmm. our faith, let alone he who is coming soon, mm -hmm. and look at the wind and the waves around us, we yeah. begin to sink as opposed to staying above them with our eyes focused on Jesus. Well, Doug, you have a wonderful gift of clarifying Thank the you. complex. You do. And in part one of your book, you focus on unveiling the promise. What do you mean by that? Well, I mean, the main idea is what we just said, the promise that Jesus is coming back, that he has promised us that he will. He told the disciples, if that wasn't true, what I've told you that I'm going to come back, I, I won't lie to you about it, right? And so we can have high confidence that, he, that confidence that he's coming back. But another part of that is the idea that we can have some idea about when that will be. There's a tension in the scriptures um, between trying to pin that down too precisely, what the scriptures warn us not to do, but at the same time, giving us lots of hints and clues about the things that will be happening around the time of their turn that give us a general mm -hmm. sense. In fact, you can find that tension in Matthew 24 within a few verses of the time Jesus says, only the Father knows. He also says, even so, when you see these things, you will know that it is near. So you see that, that tension yes. right there in that one talk. And so in that section of the book, I also just sort of look at the arguments on the pro and con side. How much can we know? Where does the line exist? And the conclusion I reach is that we can have some pretty high confidence that we're living in the, the season of his, of his return. I certainly agree. You know, once you establish the foundational promise that Jesus is coming again, and not just you, the Bible establishes mm -hmm. it, but you, you yeah. draw it out in your wonderful writing, you explore 10 clues that reveal just what you're talking about, that we are living in the season of the Lord's return. The first of those that you sum up in the title of your book is, and then the end will come. What do you mean by that particular clue? Well, that relates to that promise in Matthew chapter 24. So uh, students of prophecy are familiar with chapter 24 mm -hmm. of Matthew. It's probably the most important chapter uh, about what's to come. That chapter begins with Jesus' disciples asking him a question, actually two, but the main one for now we'll focus on is, what, you know, uh, what will be the sign of your coming yes. and the end of the age? And Jesus gives them a lot of answers to that. He says, you know, wars and rumors of wars, false Christs, apostasy, persecution, all of those things are worthy to look at. But in verse 14, he says, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Mm. In other words, the way I read that, Jesus linked his return to the completion of this great commission task that he has given us to do. And what's exciting is, is we're getting really, really close to seeing that completed. You know, it's within, the finish line is within sight. It's like we're running that final lap of a, of a very long race. So you are an expert in this realm, and that's what the finishing fund is all about. Yes. How close are we? I mean, how many people, groups, or nations, tribes, tongues are there that we can delineate 
and how many are remaining at this point? Think about the Great Commission task as, as being uh, summarized in the three B's, okay? Right. So a believer in every people group, the Bible in every language, and a body of, a body of Christ, a church in every place, every right. village, every neighborhood. And um, so I think we are within a year or two of the first B finish line where there will be uh, disciples of Jesus in every one of the 12,000 plus biblical nations on the face of the earth. That one's the closest. But the really good guys who are working on Bible translation have set 2033 as their goal to have Bible in every language on earth, all 7,000 mm. languages. And the people who are planning churches are planning millions of them a year and have various goals, but beginning in 2025 and as late as 2023 to see that church in every place go wow. across. So whichever one of those three you want to pick, um, I think we're within 10 years of seeing them completed. And if you want to pick the one I'm working on, the, the first one, I think we may be just a year or two away from seeing that completed. Yeah, I think that's such an encouragement because many Christians think, well, we've been you know, sharing the gospel as, as a church collectively for 2,000 years, and it's like the finish line that never arrives, mm -hmm. and yet we're on the brink of crossing that finish line, so to speak, and not to our credit, it's to the Lord's credit, but 2,000 years of labor, and many who have labored far more uh, dangerously than, mm -hmm. than many of us, but we can witness this virtually in most of our lifetimes watching today very soon. We stand on the shoulders of giants. Yes. Uh, we read about some of them in the book of Acts, the people mm -hmm. who started this work, uh, but some of them are in our history books, um, the heroes of the 19th century who went to places like India, China, uh, Burma with the gospel. Some of those folks work very hard in very tough conditions for only a tiny bit of fruit, you know, mm -hmm. a whole lifetime and only a, a church or two. We often see today the first believers in places within the first few days of being there. And that is not because we are better than those people no. were. It's not because our techniques are no. more popular. It's because the Holy Spirit has been there working yes. to prepare hearts and minds I, I sense that he is urgent to see this work done because do he too. knows that time is really short. I think that even in parts of the world today where there is not as big a presence of evangelists, the Lord is working through visions and people are yep. seeing Christ come to them in visions and, and putting their faith in him. I always think of Jim Elliott mm -hmm. who didn't bear any fruit, but his life was a testimony. Mm -hmm. And then his wife went to the same tribe that murdered her husband and most of the entire tribe was converted. Yeah. What a powerful Amazing. testimony. Well, you track other clues, uh, and, and the clues that you mentioned in your book also follow on with the messages we've been proclaiming at Lamb and Lion yes. Ministries for many years. What are some of those other clues that indicate that we are toward the end of God's prophetic timeline? An important one would be the reestablishment of the nation of Israel. Right. I believe Jesus promised in Matthew 24 that the generation that witnessed that event in history would also be alive to witness his return we can't know exactly what that means, how many years that describes. I think it's dangerous to try to predict that. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, we're now 70 some years post that establishment. Or if you take Jerusalem as the key, we're still, you know, a number of years past that. And so we're living in a time when that definition of a generation is coming to, to be. So that would be one. Another one that I really like is uh, from Hosea chapter 5 and chapter 6. Uh, in chapter 5, God is speaking to the, the Israelites, the Jews, and he says um, that I'm going to tear you to pieces and go away. I'll return to my lair. I will, you know, withdraw from you. And 
I think that's a reference to probably what happened in 70 AD when mm -hmm. God sort of broke off his relationship with Israel temporarily um, and turned his attention to the growing church around the world. But then in, in Hosea 6, he promises, after two days, I will return to you, and on the third day, I will live with you. Mm. And I think from a prophecy point of view, what he's, those two days represent probably a period of 2,000 years. Right. And that third day, uh, another 1,000-year period, the millennium. What's interesting is, is that we are getting very, very close to the 2,000-year anniversary of the death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. So if that represents the departure, we're very close. It may be that 70 AD, so it may be a little further out, but um, you know, that's a, a kind of a cool one that you, know, you don't hear talked about very much, no. but I think points again to kind of our day. It, it really makes your heart thrill with the proximity of his imminent return. Mm -hmm. Another clue that I really like, actually there's several of them in Daniel chapter 12. That, that chapter is about the the times of the end. It's the most important biblical source for the idea of the resurrection is yep. in that. We find the great tribulation is in that chapter in the first couple of verses. In verse four, um, Daniel is given the vision that at the time of the end, um, human travel and human knowledge will increase. It, it says, um, you know, knowledge will increase and people will move to and fro. And it's easy to kind of just skip past that and go on, you know, what, do you, what does that mean? But what it means is, is it's a perfect description of the days that we live in, right? Certainly. We, we move about the planet like no one in history has, like nobody could have even imagined even 150 years ago. Um, I like to say that, you know, when the first missionaries went to India, they got on a boat. It took them five months to get there from mm. England. The last time I went there, I got on a plane in Newark at about 9.30 at night and was in Delhi at 9.30 the next night. Uh, so not even a whole day no. to, to get there. You know, we just, we take these things for granted. But the Bible says that will be a characteristic of the time of Jesus' return. Also, the, you know, the explosion of knowledge and not just the availability of knowledge, but the accessibility of it. Um, I sometimes jokingly will tell my kids about when I was in college in the dark ages and you'd need an article or a book and it you had to get it physically delivered to yeah. you from another library or, you know, and the idea of the internet that makes basically everything you could ever want to know instantly available to you. Again, a, a very, I think, direct fulfillment of that prediction about what the, the time of Jesus' return would be like. I also give other examples. For instance, uh, the average Sunday edition of the New York Times contains more information on a weekly basis than most people are exposed to in their entire lifetime mm -hmm. just 100, 200 years ago. Mm -hmm. Now there were some that had collections of books, but they were rare. And so most people just weren't exposed to that volume. And as far as understanding, we can look to Revelation chapter 11, when for the last 2,000 years Christians have read that these two witnesses would appear in Jerusalem, they would be killed, and the whole world would look on. And they had to imagine, well, how can that be? Is it a supernatural vision? Does the Lord allow everyone to see, you know, some kind of miracle? Well, we take for granted the fulfillment of that very prophecy just in the last several generations with the advent of television and satellite communications. We watch things happening instantaneously around the world today and take it for granted. And don't forget smartphones. And uh, smartphones, Which exactly. they say, you know, there's more phones in the world than there are people in the world yes. already. And I've been to some pretty remote places and seen people 
you know, interacting with their uh, with their phones. So it, it's a ubiquitous technology. It is. When I was uh, in high school and even college, uh, they were still selling uh, encyclopedias, you know, yeah. World Book right. or Encyclopedia yeah. Britannica. I don't think they sell those anymore or no one buys them because it's all available to you. Probably only as a uh, keepsake, right? A, uh, you yeah, know, a paperweight. Yeah. Exactly right. Well, so what other signs uh, that we've talked about, some of the various signs, what signs would you say point to the Lord's soon return that we perhaps haven't already touched on? Sadly, um, you know, the Bible in several places talks about what the condition of the church is going to be like in the time of Jesus' return. Um, we understand that the culture is going to be in decline. That's maybe not hard to imagine, but what's sad is, is that the Bible seems to predict that that will infect the hmm. the church, and uh, you know, again, sadly, I think we see evidence of that today. That you know, churches are losing their grip on doctrine, uh, that they're embracing positions that really are not no. not biblical, uh, and you know, just with COVID, um, we've seen it at our church. Like many, there's a bunch of people who have kind of just disappeared. You mm -hmm. know, it's some of them are maybe watching on uh, the internet, maybe. but maybe some of them are you know have just given up on that, and so. All of these, sadly, are things that the Bible predicts will be part of the time of Jesus' return. And so the warning for those of us who want to be faithful is we have to determine and persevere by maintaining our commitment to the Lord and not drifting away. And as the song says, and I, I know this personally, prone to wonder, yeah. Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the Lord that. I love. And so I have to determine day by day, almost hour by hour, as for me, in my house, and sometimes I can only speak just for me, I will serve the Lord. And that's a decision we have to make each and every day, not one and done years and years ago, to stay committed to Him. My wife likes to say, the Holy Spirit is really smart, and, and that's really true. And you know, there's that um, guide He gives us in, I think it's Hebrews chapter 10, where He says, you know, we should not forsake meeting together. And then he adds that little tag on it, right, where he says, and all the more as, as we see, see the day approaching, you know, and I always thought that was kind of, well, this instruction applies to everybody in the church age, you know, this never goes out of, uh, of you know, importance. But, but I really begun to think that that was delivered specifically to our generation. Yes. Where, you know, we have the ability to do church in a lot of ways that don't require us to come together. Uh, and the Spirit is saying, no, you really need to be, you know, together physically with each other. Amen. To stand firm and to practice all those one another's that the Scripture talks about. You know, it's hard, easy to bear with somebody who's not in the same room with you. Uh, yeah. But get close to people. That's when forgiveness and those other things become important. And that passage in Hebrews 10, 23 through 25 talks about holding fast. Yeah. I like the, the picture even of uh, William Wallace and hold yeah. and stand yeah, firm. Yeah. Hold fast confession for hope without wavering. Yeah. And then the last thing, and all the more as you see the day. Yeah. And I've heard people say, well, I really don't need that. I'm okay. Yeah. And my answer is, yeah, but what about the brother or sister in Christ yeah. who needs you? Yeah. Are you withholding that encouragement that they need? You may say, I'm okay, and I could argue with you, or no, there are no lone wolf Christians outlined in Scripture. We are part of the body of mm -hmm. Christ. But you are neglecting a brother or sister who is in need just of your encouragement, let alone your fellowship, mm -hmm. if you withdraw yourself from the body of yeah, Christ. The, the metaphors, you know, that the Bible uses for the church are metaphors of physical things, the body, a building. These are integrated things. These are yes. not virtual things. Uh, and I, I think that even though, you know, we celebrate these technologies and they can be used for lots of amazing things, that the importance of that physical connectedness with brothers and sisters so that you can encourage one another, help one another when the time is, is there, 
learn these skills that we need to learn to be more like Jesus, that really requires being together. It certainly does. You know, looking around the world even this year, we've seen uh, the world seems to be falling apart at the seams. Mm -hmm. Again, especially this year or the last couple of years, and many people wonder how much worse it can get. We're not prophets of doom or gloom, but we have long said it will get worse before the Lord returns. And so where's the hope in that message? Yeah, I mean, the Bible says that, um, you know, the days of Jesus' return will be like the days of Noah, the days of Lot, uh, which are notable in the scriptures for being two periods of particular evil uh, in the world. So I think we would expect to see increasing difficulty. Sadly, it also talks about how those things will infect the church mm. and that there will be apostasy and a lot of people will fall away during those days. That's a very sad prophecy. The good news is, is that those things are the signs of something really great that's coming and they won't last for very long. No. Uh, the the pro promise is that those things will be right before he returns, but when he returns to establish his kingdom, oh my goodness, what a great day that's going to be. And so we should persevere and should. Uh, in the language of Revelation, we should be overcomers yeah. even of some of that uh, temptation to be gloomy in our outlook. It's interesting how the Bible instructs us as believers to stand firm. Yes. Uh, and I think, you know, in America, generally, we've not had to do a lot of standing firm, maybe in our personal lives against personal temptation, but against the culture, eh, it's been pretty easy. But I think we're going to learn how to do that probably before he comes back. I do too. And I, on that note, I love to read the biographies and the accounts mm -hmm. of saints and martyrs from the past because they were so sure of their security in Christ that they willingly and even joyfully March to gallows and stakes and horrible death. And in recent years, I've heard about the holy pride, quite frankly, felt by Coptic Christians mm -hmm. in Egypt when they testified to the 20 young men who were marched out on a beach mm -hmm. by terrorists from ISIS mm -hmm. and beheaded. And actually, when they were marched out, only 19 of them had professed faith in Christ. There was a 20th young man. But as he watched the other 19 refuse to recant their, their witness for Christ, he was so impressed that before he was killed, he said, I also hmm. trust in this, this Jesus that they have testified to. And so he became a believer right as he was killed. Kind of like the thief on the cross. Kind of right? like the right thief there, on right the cross. So how can we steal ourselves mm -hmm. for that kind of tough faith regardless of our circumstances? You know, I, I think it, it really helps to have an understanding of how, these, how the Bible says these events will unfold and what is coming. Uh, as difficult as times may get, and many Christians in the world are already facing these yes, difficult things, the yes, story you are. just told, even if they get hard for us here in America, the promises that God has made to us about what comes next after that are so much more glorious than the hard things that we're gonna have to face, right? So uh, we, we wanna do what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter four, we wanna fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Amen, amen. The things that are coming, because those he says are the things that are really permanent, eternal, not the hard things that we face today. The last chapter of your book focuses on what we can expect mm -hmm. in heaven. Gives us a glimpse anyway. But the chapter prior to that talks about what kind of people we should be. So if Jesus really is coming soon, how now should we live? There's lots of great biblical passages about that, but one that I have really adopted is in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 11 and 12. Peter asks, what kind of people ought we to be in light of the coming judgment that he's been talking about? And he says, we should live holy and godly lives looking forward to the coming of Jesus and speeding that day, mm. speeding its coming. 
Really interesting. So holy, I think of that as meaning set apart and distinctive. As the culture rots away around mm -hmm. us, we don't want to be a part of that. We want to no. be distinctive, not scornful toward it, not dismissive of our brother, our, our loved ones who are in it, but distinctive from it. And then we want to be godly. We want to be more like God. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So love, joy, peace, patience, the fruit of the Spirit. We want to be eager for that day. Uh, sadly, this is a place where a lot of folks in the West fall short because we live in such a rich, safe yes. you know, place. It's so great. How could kingdom of God be better? It's going to be a lot better, right? And then that, that last one, which is the real mystery, how do we hasten or speed the coming of that day? You know, what I've decided in my life is that's getting the Great Commission work done as quickly as we can so that Jesus can keep that Matthew 24, 14 promise. Amen. It is a motivator for us to do all those things, motivated toward urgent evangelism, holy living, and keeping our eyes on Christ, as is our kind of theme uh, as we talk about at Lamb and Lamb Ministries. Well, Doug, we obviously want our viewers to be able to get a copy of your wonderful book, but I have to ask, do you have any other book projects underway? And how can our viewers support your ministry as part of the finishing Well, plan. thank you for asking about that. I've been toying with the idea of a book that would be more about how we should be living in these days. Uh, a little bit like this book, but instead of 90% about the signs and 10%, maybe the opposite, right? Okay. So that would be that would be fun. Uh, as you know, though, a book project is a, a, you know, a daunting thing, and having done one, I have to get my, my courage back up. Um, as for the Finishing Fund, folks can visit uh, www.finishingfund.org learn a little bit more about us. And if they'd like to talk to me about that, there's a button they can push on there to set up a call and we'll, we'll get, get acquainted. Well, folks, I really do hope that you will check out not only Doug's uh, website there and be in touch with him, but get a copy of, and then the end will come because we are on the brink of the end days. Uh, we are living in the end days right now, we believe, but there are things that we can be about while we look forward to the soon coming of our great God and, and Savior, Jesus Christ. Right. And so, Doug, thank you again for joining us on this edition of Christ in Prophecy. I'd like to have you back sometime, and frankly, I actually hope the rapture occurs before we can even schedule that. Well, I'd that? love to do it, but I would rather be with Jesus. So, <laughs> amen, yeah. amen. Well, may the Lord continue to bless you and, you and your ministry and all the outreach you're impacting all around the world. Thank you, Tim. It's great to be with you. Yes, sir. I hope that this program highlighting Doug Cobb's insightful book has been an encouragement to you. You know, Scripture tells us that when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son. And all of Christendom pauses in December to commemorate our Savior's birth. But for those of us who know Him and look forward to His imminent return, we discern that all the signs of the times point to the nearness of His coming and our home going. At the end of the year of our Lord, 2022, we believe that we are on the cusp of seeing the fullness of time when God the Father will say to His Son, Go and get your bride. As we await His coming, Peter said that we should conduct ourselves in holiness and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God. So how do we do that? By sharing the gospel, bearing witness, and making disciples. I am grateful for the hope Doug's book offers. So for a gift of $20 or more, we would be glad to send you a copy of And Then the End Will Come. Just visit our online store or call the number on the screen. Well, thanks for joining us today for this final episode of Christ in Prophecy in 2022. We pray God's continued blessing on you and your family, and we'll look forward to seeing you again next week in 2023. Until then, this is Tim Moore saying, 
Godspeed. Thank you.